Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Brandon Schwamm, and he flew in from Miami, or wherever he flew in from because he's constantly traveling, <laughs> to talk about how he made $1.4 million last year while traveling over 20 weeks out of the year. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, broker and owner of Stunning Homes Realty, founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties, and will be launching in Texas next week. And I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. So if that's, if that's something you want to do, let's connect on Instagram at steve.trang. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I don't charge a dime for this show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask this is what it costs for you to listen to this show. I've been told by a consultant that I need to get to 500 five-star reviews on iTunes in order to land some specific guests that I've been trying to get on my show. So please do me a favor, go into iTunes, subscribe, and give a five-star review. If you can write what you like about the show, that's even better. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Brandon to answer. You ready? I think so. All right, so first question, simple, is what got you into real estate? Well, um, I started the entrepreneur venture when I was 19. I did a network marketing company um, for a couple of years. Uh, long story short, that didn't really work out. I had a, a good friend of mine that was flipping houses at auction. So I started uh, basically being the person that went to every single house and tried to get into all of the houses for them, get pictures, and then make the bid at auction. How long ago was this? Four years ago. Okay, so you're probably past the statute of limitations or okay. statute of... What is it where they can't try you again? Yeah, I think it's statute of limitations. Statute of limitations. Yeah. So there might have been some B&E back in the day. Yeah. Right? Maybe. So, because I don't think a lot of people that are wholesaling now know, know what we had to do back in the day no. when we going to auction properties. No. I mean, uh, I had guns pulled on me multiple times. I had, the first day I actually ever went and uh, went to auction houses where we'd go and knock on the door and try to save them, you know, try to buy them before I went to auction. Mm -hmm. This guy chased me with a gun. And I remember going to my <laughs> boss at the time being like, if this was every day, it's going to be like, I can't do this. <laughs> well, I'm surprised you came back. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was scary, but I mean, it was, just, it was always like a new experience every day. So when was this? 2015. 2015. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry, where was this? What city? Uh, this was in Orlando. Orlando. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for you guys that don't know, right? Like the all people buying from, from auctions mm -hmm. in order, they had the bid service. I'm guessing who you worked for. Yep. And the bid service. They would, they would talk to all the investors that want to buy properties the day before, mm -hmm. and they would send someone out to take photos, mm -hmm. and that was you. Yeah, well, I was working for a private company where they were trying to buy the house at auction. Oh, they were buying themselves, okay. Mm -hmm. And so then I would go, we would look at the list, and then I would go to the house, either try to swindle deals at the door, or you know, if I had to get pictures inside, I would find a way to do that. Yeah, because uh, so one of the people I know, what stopped them from doing that wasn't a gun, but it was face to face with a dog, right? And it was a race to over the fence. Yikes! So, you yeah. ever dealt with a dog? I did, but they were little ones, so I wasn't yeah. really scared. You know, <laughs> just a little barking. Um, so that's what got you into real estate. Mm -hmm. What got you into wholesale? Well, actually, I did it kind of backwards. What it seems like most people are doing today. Um, I just started off flipping. So I initially, um, after I left that company, I met a gentleman at a networking event and kind of convinced him to give me a quarter million dollars to start flipping. And so then I started, you know, back in the day we could send out like, you know, 3,000 mailers and get a good deal. I was sending out mailers, we would get deals and then I would flip them. And I mean, at one point, 
I mean, we had like my first year, we did almost probably like 50 flips. Like it was, a, it was a lot. Wow. And uh, I just wasn't really enjoying that. And then at this point, I had moved to Miami mm-hmm. and trying to manage flips while you know hundreds of miles away was not very easy. So that's when I kind of uh, so changed you, my you model. You lived in Orlando. Yep. You moved to Miami mm-hmm. while you're flipping in Orlando. Yep. What was going through your brain? What was, <laughs> what yeah. was the thought process? A lot. It was tough. I mean, I just like, I was kind of done with Orlando. Orlando was like, I didn't see like a lot of high level people that mm-hmm. were in their in their mid twenties, early twenties. And I wanted to be around those kind of individuals. And that makes sense. I knew Miami was the spot for that. So I was like, I need to go where those people are. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I went to Miami. And then, yeah, the first like six months of living in Miami and then trying to do virtual flipping, it was much different than doing virtual wholesaling. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. you're doing well mm-hmm. in Orlando. You go to Miami. Yep. And what is your plan then? Like, what did you, what was the process for getting your wholesaling up and running? Because were you wholesaling yet in Orlando or were you still flipping entirely? Uh, I was I was basically flipping what I would like that wasn't like crazy amount of work and you know that I could handle and then I was wholesaling just like you know some of the deals but I was primarily flipping mm-hmm. but like I knew when I was like doing the numbers I was like you know if I was to wholesale this I'd make 15 20 grand if I flip it I make like 40 but the flip's gonna take me three four months the wholesale takes me one month so I was like I'd rather just do a ton of those mm-hmm. instead of constantly like waiting three four months and right you made more money but it was just way more of a headache and at that point I was like I'd rather make less money and have less of a headache and you know be able to do whatever I want kind of thing right okay so I want we kind of touched on real like uh, you know uh, quickly was the network marketing mm-hmm. right because I think um, there was uh, Robert Allen's multiple streams of income that yep. I read many many years ago have you read that one no so one of the things he talks about is if you want to become a successful entrepreneur mm-hmm. is get into MLMs Yep. Not because you're going to make money in the MLMs, yeah. but you're going to learn all the valuable skills For sure. you'll need from an MLM. So what was the MLM that you were in? I was in, I was actually in a couple, but the one that I like resonate the most with was Vima, mm-hmm. which is obviously really big here in Phoenix. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I started at 18, so I was really young and I, you know, I kind of thought like the whole go to college, get a degree, and then, you know, get a nine to five and retire when I'm 70. Like that never really interests me. I always wanted to have a lot of money when I was young. So like I realized like entrepreneurship was that route. Right. So Vima, and that's how you connected with Cody Barton, mm-hmm. Nick, yep. Octavius in LA, mm-hmm. and some of the other wholesalers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my whole, like, there's probably like my six core group of best friends and all of them are wholesalers and actually are probably like some of my biggest competition in my own market. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So I taught them all and then they, you know, decided to do it in my market as well. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some uh, questions here about how you used to change refrigerators. Who's <laughs> Got Tommy Myers over here? Yeah. Anything from him, I would just ignore. Just ignore those questions. Gotcha. <laughs> Okay, so so you're wholesaling um, from Miami, yeah. But you're not just in Miami. No. So talk about like what what markets are you in right now for wholesaling? Um, for wholesaling uh, of my own individual business, I'm in basically anywhere from like Sarasota up to Tampa, then Tampa all the way over to the east coast of Florida. Okay. So I think we're in like eleven counties total. But all in Florida? All Central Florida, yeah. Okay. I don't do any deals in Miami or Fort Lauderdale or anything. What's wrong with Miami? 
I don't know. I've, I've like, tried there, and, like, a lot of times there's always, like, major title issues. Miami's known for, like, scams. So, like, my title company that I use in Orlando, they won't even, like, insure anything in Miami because there's so much fraudulent stuff down there. <laughs> so I was like, eh. That's I crazy. probably shouldn't then. <laughs> okay. Now, you mentioned that you're doing in – Florida. What mm-hmm. does that mean? Is there are there people that you have partners with or? Yeah, I've partnered up with other people in uh, like Austin and Dallas and stuff like that. Gotcha. But primarily, like my ones that I run day to day is all Central Florida. Okay. And so what I wanted to hit on or emphasize, because uh, when you and I were communicating before the show, mm-hmm. is that something that you're passionate about is traveling. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, the a lot of people in the industry are aware of. Jalen White, and Mm -hmm. he's living a great life, right? Yeah. He's always traveling somewhere with his wife Mm -hmm. and just having a good time. Sure. Sounds like you're doing something similar as well. Yeah. So talk about, first, why do you travel so much? Mm -hmm. might be an obvious answer, but let's start with that. (laughs) I mean, for me, I always was, I always wanted a life of freedom, you know, financial freedom, time freedom, and, like, I I wanted nothing to be able to hold me back. Mm -hmm. And so I just... For me, uh, why I really enjoy traveling is because it it like makes you so much more in the present moment because you're in like a different environment and you're um, you know seeing new things, different stimulation. So I, I just like traveling and like doing new things. Mm-hmm. I think that's a real big part of it. And it's like I don't you know I don't really I could die you know tomorrow. And yeah. I I want to have those experiences and you just never know what could happen and. And that's a real thing that motivates me. Okay. Now, for someone right now, because there's a lot of people that are in this business and they're working like 60, 70 hours a week, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not saying that you're not, mm-hmm. but for them, like the idea of even traveling yeah. while wholesaling sounds preposterous. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. there's a, a, a guy that was on the show, Haim Maman, mm-hmm. someone I look up to a lot. Yeah. And he's all about doing it uh, remotely, traveling, mm-hmm. spending time with the family because yeah. you, your time is your most... Mm-hmm. valuable resource, something you can't get back. So definitely, can you talk about for someone, uh, I guess there's two steps here. A, how do you get to a point where you're wholesaling virtually? Mm-hmm. And then B, how are you able to travel without your business falling apart? Yeah, I mean, the wholesale virtually, I mean, it's not really any different, I feel, than wholesaling, you know, going to each appointment. It's just breaking through that mental barrier that you need to go to those appointments and you mm-hmm. need to be there to see the property because in actuality, you really don't need to be there for anything. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is like, well, how I'm able to do that is I just have a rock star team, you know, like all, almost all my people that are with me, I've never had anyone quit out of the three years that I've owned the company. Wow, And That's I've only fired people. Yeah. So I've always believed in like, if you pay them, I mean, I overpay all my people. And why I do that is they stay, they don't leave and, you know, they're making good money and they're happy. You know? So when you say overpay, are you talking about as a percentage of the fee? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what is your... So, uh, so my acquisition managers, they get 15% of the mm-hmm. profit Yeah. and my, and my disposition manager gets 7%. Gotcha. And, um, yeah, so they, I mean, they're considered the standard in the industry is probably like eight to 10 for mm-hmm. for acquisitions and like three to five for dispo. Right. Yeah. So that's why I like, I pay overpay them. And I kind of run like a new age business where like, they don't ever have to ask me for time off. They just have to let me know when they're going. And as long as they're getting work done and they're 
doing what they need to do, then I don't, they don't bug them. I don't bug them, mm-hmm. you know? So, cause I kind of treat them like they're entrepreneurs in their own sense. Right. You know, cause they are, cause they only get paid on commission. Yeah. It's a uh, entrepreneur is something that I like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some of the people call it. Yeah. Um, okay. So your guys that are in your office, mm-hmm. they're calling cause they're only in your office in Miami. I don't even have an office. Everyone works virtually. So everyone works virtually. Yeah. So, so there's either, home. they're either at a working from home or have a co-working space. Okay. So they work in like a WeWork or, you know, something like that or at home. Are they all in the same city? Nope. Okay. So are scattered throughout Florida. Yeah. So one lives in Tampa, two live in Orlando and one lives in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And so they're just kind of all over the place. The ones in Orlando didn't get your note about Orlando not being the place to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's not easy to go live in Miami, you know, yeah. it, it gets real expensive. So it's, and it's not like, I don't know, it's, everyone's got their only different thing of what they're interested in and what they like. You right. Know? Yeah. Okay. So that's wholesaling virtually. Yep. The part about traveling. So someone that wants to start traveling mm-hmm. with their business running mm-hmm. without them having to be hands on. Mm-hmm. What were the steps that you had to take to make that happen? I mean, it's a lot of it's just outsourcing everything. I mean, that's, if you're a one man show, then obviously, I mean, I used to, ironically enough, I used to travel a lot when I was still like a one man show mm-hmm. and I would be like in on the, like maybe like lunch and I'd be on a ski resort and I'd be like, answering seller calls and doing that kind of stuff. But I realized like all right, when I'm traveling, I kind of want to not do that as much. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is just having a rock solid team and like building that, you know, where they're able to handle majority of it without me. I mean, don't get me wrong when I'm traveling, I'm still working. Like, it's not like, like I wish I'm almost jealous of like employees that they can go on vacation and just have like a complete reset and not think about anything. But Mm -hmm. like, for me, that's not the case at all. Like I, I'm constantly still working when I'm there and, you know, maybe not as much when I'm home, but I'm Mm -hmm. still like, you know, constantly available for them and putting out fires. I need to put out fires and stuff like that. Gotcha. So, what's the advice you would give somebody, right? So get it, get the people in place. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier said than done, right? Cause yeah. like, if you look at uh, a lot of businesses, when you first start, you're, 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 you know, you're selling parts, you're selling widgets, mm-hmm. right? And that's all you're doing. But yeah. eventually it becomes a systems of marketing and a people business, right? You have to have the yeah. systems in place. You have to have the people manage the systems. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people that are having great success now is cause they have good people, but it takes a mm-hmm. while to really yeah. get that people place people piece in place and it's still an ongoing challenge So talk about how you're able to do that yeah i mean it's really finding the right people you know i always almost everyone that i've hired is either someone that i knew prior or like was a referral to me like hey this person would be good Mm -hmm. you know and like i because a lot of our business is about trust too like you trusting that they're doing what they're saying they're doing and especially with like me like none of us are in the office like i'm not seeing if they're making calls all day i mean i track it and i see if they are but like i'm i'm trusting that they're doing it so yeah i mean a lot of it's just finding the right people and putting them in their their right spots for you know what their job is and i think if you do that and then pay them well so that you're not constantly dealing with turnover because like the people that I know that pay 7%, 8% for their acquisitions, they're constantly hiring new people every couple of months. And it's like, so now instead of like 
building the business now you're focusing on retraining again and getting them right in the place you know like i my main acquisition manager is the the one that's been there the least longest was been with me since march yeah so i mean he's been still been with me for a decent amount of time so you're, what you're saying here is you rather have someone with three years of good experience yeah. paying them 15 percent yeah versus someone that's always brand new and paying mm-hmm. them seven eight percent yeah because you're just going to be constantly dealing with term turnover turnover and it's just then you it, then they're not going to be as good as someone that's been doing it and you know understands the whole process as well yeah. so i think that's a I think that's one of the lucky things that I have is that I'm not constantly hiring. Like if I had to keep constantly hiring new people and like teaching them how to be on the phone and deal, talk with sellers and do all that kind of stuff, it would just be a huge headache. Yeah. So you mentioned that people haven't quit, mm-hmm. but you've had to fire. Yeah. So what are the, some instances that caused them to have to get fired? <laughs> um, well, the, the, I had a gentleman, one of my best friends actually uh, started when I first started wholesaling, I was I was like a one-man show for like nine months. And one of my best friends, super sharp guy, you know, really good at sales. I brought him on because he was doing like sales training, only making like 40, 50 grand a year. And so I brought him on and he was like a killer for me for like two years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he made over a hundred grand each of his year, each of his two years with me. And then I don't know, he just like lost all motivation, just... I don't think his heart and head was really in it. So Mm -hmm. I think he just, you know, he just didn't want to do it anymore. And I felt like, you know, I had to fire him to be like, listen, like you need to go figure out what you really want to do. Cause obviously you're not in this. Yeah. So that was a tough one. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's basically, that was like the only major fire I've had in my organization. Gotcha. Uh, So you mentioned that also you're not in the office, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone's really in their houses or in a co-working space. Yeah. How are you monitoring the KPIs, making sure they're taking the actions they're supposed to be taking? Well, I mean, everything they do is tracked. Mm-hmm. All of how many calls they make, all the calls are recorded. Everything, I know everything that they do. I know when their first call is that they make. I know when the last call is they make. So like, they are their own business and 95% of the time I don't say anything to them because like they're doing what they need. You know, as long as they're like, my goal for each of them is to be around like, six to eight deals each a month mm-hmm. into the company. So if they can it's do that, yeah, if they can do that, then, you know, you're not, you're not gonna hear from me. I'm not gonna com- complain. Yeah. So, but I track all of them. I mean, for me, I track every single thing that I do. Like every money, all the money I spend, what produces, cost per leads, all that kind of stuff. Cause I, you know, that's super important cause I was blowing money on one thing and then it's, you know, then I wasn't even producing. So, so is that a natural skill set for you? I wouldn't say it's like supernatural, but you know, I knew how important it is. So I was like, I have to, I don't have a choice. And then are you counting those metrics, having a VA do it? No, I'm, I'm doing, it's like what I do every Sunday, every Sunday, like they look at the week before and then every month I do like the whole monthly and then every quarter I do the whole quarter and just kind of see then like I see like how many leads I gave one acquisition manager, how many deals did they get, how many leads they gave another and like try to make it more even or if like someone's producing just way more deals off of, you know, less leads and you know, what, like for example, the the gentleman I fired uh, beginning of this year, I was giving him 80% of the leads, my other acquisition manager 20 and I only had them two at the time. He was out producing the other one two to three times what the other one was doing. 
wow. with a fourth of the leads. Gotcha. So I was like, this it's not right. Something's going on here. Yeah. And that was what kind of led down the path of like, okay, he shouldn't be here. Like I need to find other people to bring on. Uh, so you're talking about, so that you, you've hired a couple more and those mm -hmm. are all from referrals or people yeah, in this sphere. Exactly. Uh, so one of the other challenges that a lot of businesses have is, is maintaining a culture. Yeah. Right. And so like, even me personally, I've had people say like, you should open more locations. Mm -hmm. And every time I'm, I'm fearful mm -hmm. because it's hard to keep the culture in multiple locations. Yeah. How do you maintain your company culture and make sure that everyone is, you know, uh, rowing the boat in the same direction? Yeah, I mean, I'm con like, we're always all, you know, all talking and mm -hmm. communicating. And like, if there's, you know, anyone needs help with anything, we're always helping in one another. I think that's a big thing. And once a year, I take all my uh, people on a trip. Mm -hmm. and, like last year, we went to, Tulum, Mexico. The year before that, I went to Aruba. So like, I'm taking them and like, kind of nice you know, bring us all. Yeah, it's not. They're not cheap trips. We're not going know? to Sedona up here. No, <laughs> you know, it's not. Like, I think this year we're gonna go to either Medellin or Costa Rica. So like, I'm I'm taking them on nice trips where like we're all like with each other for five days and just like hanging five out. Five days. Yeah. So Man, that's nice. Yeah, so. Figure out how to work for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Daniel Esteban Martinez wants to know, what's the first thing you look for when you are hiring? Um, for me, it's about drive because skills can always be taught. Mm -hmm. You know, like one of my top producing guys right now, he was a uh, ex-grocery store bagger. And he was, when I brought him on, he was 21. And, you know, he'd never done any sales. He's never had any sales training and, you know, but now he's made over a hundred grand in mm -hmm. a year since yeah. becoming an acquisition manager, all because he was driven to make money and, you know, grow and get better. So I think that's absolutely right. So the next question is, how do you measure drive? Because that doesn't show up on a profile test typically. Yeah. Um, again, that's kind of like why I hire people I know or through referrals because yeah. I'm like, you know, Cody, like, what's this person like really like? Is this someone that I really want to bring on my organization? Mm -hmm. You know, like getting to know, you know, like two of my three acquisition managers are people that I personally knew before they worked for me. So mm -hmm. I knew what kind of people they were gotcha. prior. Okay. So you know them mm -hmm. and they don't have drive. Yeah. They're well, not joining the organization. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, if they're not, you know, trying to grow and get better. I mean, that's another big thing that you know, I'm our, I'm about is like, you have to constantly be learning and growing and getting better. And I'm always focusing on helping my team do the best too. Like my, uh, my acquisition manager went to the John Martinez, mm -hmm. uh, training in Denver. So yeah. we sent him out to that to, you know, work on sales and get better. And, you know, I think if you can create a culture of where everyone's trying to grow and improve and, you know, not just financially, but physically, spiritually, emotionally, like mm -hmm. overall, the, you know, if they're better in that, those categories, that's just gonna, everything else is gonna rise. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, are you guys, do you guys have regular weekly meetings, like Zoom calls or, cause we have like, we have what we call like level 10 meetings. We have yeah. those every week, right? Mm -hmm. You guys do anything like that? Not really. I mean, I kind of, uh, with my disposition manager, mainly because he's the one constantly trying to sell deals and I talk with him basically almost all day, every day. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, what's going on with this deal? You know, do you need help with whatever? Um, so like, I'm constantly talking to him every day, but my acquisitions, I probably talk to them. I probably talk to them like every other day. And you know, if 
we'll have long talks here and there and sometimes we, we don't it just depends like i don't have any meetings it is something that i i want to work on for sure yeah uh and then brooks jenkins wants to know how often are you meditating <laughs> um i guess I you mean, know him yeah i know him oh <laughs> uh, they're all making fun of me because i we all went to Columbia and I told them about how I was on the longest streak I ever had where I meditated a minimum 20 minutes for like over 120 something days. That's awesome. Yeah. So they're they're all just making fun of me for it. That's impressive. I wish I could do that. (laughs) You should have a competition with Jamil. Yeah. Jamil in town. He's a big meditator. I'll totally out meditate him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Blake Hobart wants to know how much money is going out in marketing. We'll just say per month. Um, right around 40,000 a month, 40,000 a month. Yeah. And David Barney wants to know what's been your best lead gen source that you've invested in. Um, I mean everything's pretty even for the most part. Um, texting, cold call. Um, I do a little bit of mail. Mailing is about bread and butter, but that's not doing as well. But yeah, I'd say texting, cold call, RVMs. For gotcha. Sure. Um, and Blake also wants to know how many calls is each person making a day. Uh, I like a minimum of 50 a day. It's kind of like what I'm looking at. And, you know, I think if you're hitting at least 50 a day, then you're going to get some meaningful conversations in there. Gotcha. And, and Tommy wants everyone to know that you meditate only for your ego. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Tommy. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so let's see what else there is. So no weekly meetings. Okay. So, um, so we talked about you, you moved to Miami to mm-hmm. work on your, your business remotely. Yep. What were some of the struggles you had trying to get your wholesaling business up and running? Not up and running, but mm-hmm. maintaining and growing from a distance. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, not being, because like when I first started, when I was doing flipping and when I first started wholesaling, I was going out to the houses and like meeting with sellers and doing that. I mean, cause you could, I mean, Pace knows you can get so many more deals when you go and like meet with the seller, not maybe so many more, but you can get like way bigger spreads Deeper. when you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was the, the hardest thing was like transitioning from getting like, you know, talking to people in, in person, then going and doing it all over the phone, you know, cause mm-hmm. that was definitely a, a mental barrier you had to break through. Okay. And there's a lot of players in Florida. We've had several actually on the show already. Yeah. So how is your operation different than some of your peers in Florida? I mean, virtual is part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anything that's like particularly different. Everyone knows what to do. It's just like whether or not you do it. It's mm-hmm. like everyone knows that got to eat healthy and work out and you'll be in shape, but not everyone does it. Right. So it's like, does that work? Yeah. I don't know. That. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't worked for me yet. It hasn't worked for me. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I haven't tried it long enough to be or consistent <laughs> with it. Uh, so going back, you mentioned something earlier about your employees having complete freedom. Yeah. So, you know, I think you said it was like a new age. Yeah. Like it's like a new, it's like kind of like, if you ever heard of like Google and I don't know if it was Facebook too, but they, they don't like, there's like unlimited vacation days mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that was something that I kind of, like I almost went as crazy as making everything a four day work week and trying mm-hmm. to get everything done in four days, but I still haven't uh, been able to break that barrier. Haven't been able to pull the trigger on it or? No, I just, I just haven't been able to pull the trigger on it. Cause I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
All right. So if I want, if I was working for you and mm-hmm. I need to take like a six week vacation, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. All right. Hopefully you're uh, better when you come back. <laughs> and hopefully you'll be really relaxed and ready to talk to some sellers. Yeah. So right now you're wholesaling. Is there any flipping left or is it just almost all, or is it all um, wholesale? I'll do some flipping if it's just like nothing super like difficult. Like, like extremely ju- cosmetic, like really light. Yeah, like I've, I think I've done like four or five flips this year, mm-hmm. but they're all just like houses that were built in the 2000s and like I need to just like add paint and carpet and like, cause like I had a deal like, I bought two houses off the same seller where they're both for 150, both in the same neighborhood, and they're worth like 210, uh, like ARV, and but they only need like paint and carpet, and all the wholesale offers that I got on it were like 160 each, and I'm like, eh, I could put like five into it and like sell them retail for like 190, 195. So I just yeah. did that. That's kind of like the only time I'll really do anything like flipping because I, I did a I did one big flip in my whole life and it was like a $75,000 flip never again that was and I lost money on it yeah. not lost money but I broke even so basically lost money so with the ones that you're you're doing you're able to take down these this guy's two houses mm-hmm. are do you have access to cheap funds do you have the cash like how are you able to acquire properties because there yeah. are a lot of guys also you know it's you, you read some of these comments you know I don't have 1500 earnest to put down all right. So like, let's talk about <laughs> when you're able to, when you're acquiring these properties, what do you, mm-hmm. what is your strategy? Well, I mean, I, like for me right now, I think we have 32 houses under contract. Mm-hmm. If I put a thousand dollars down on every one, I'd have 30 grand at title. So yeah. typically I won't, like I'll put thousand dollar down earnest, but unless they're calling title and asking if it's there, I typically won't mm-hmm. I'll, I'll forget. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Florida is interesting. Actually, uh, I had a call actually with Jamil about mm-hmm. this is that both buyers and sellers have to sign the release to earnest money. Yeah. And that can really type your funds for a very long time. Yeah. That's uh, I've had that happen. I, I think I have like probably 15,000 at title companies that I can't even touch because the sellers won't sign off on it. So what's the recourse for that? Like, is there like One a certain time limit? Like after a year, you'll get the money back? No, it's just forever it's until they sign. So, so what, what do you do about it? You just wait? Yeah, I don't know. Just, <laughs> you know, wait long enough to hopefully uh, the seller's pain body isn't still there and you can ask them to, you know, finally sign it. You know, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, okay, so not a whole lot of flipping. So going back to the funds, mm-hmm. how are you able to take these properties down? Do you go private money? Do you have a partner? Um, I have private money. Yeah, yeah so I, I just... It's not anything crazy. It's like ten percent, three points, and they hundred percent of the purchase price that and hundred percent of the rehab. That what? is crazy. Is it? Oh my god, three points! Wow, that's uh, a lot. No, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, RVM in Florida is a question Isaiah's got. Uh, I've read some places that people say that it's not, it's it's hard or highly frowned upon. I think more frowned upon in Florida than it is here. Uh, <laughs> any opinions on that? I mean, I think RVMs are probably frowned upon everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I think there's I, like specific legislation in Florida. Yeah, I've heard that. And I don't know, at this point, it's just the price of doing business. If you get dinged, you get dinged. Uh, you know, I've had friends get dinged, but it's like eight to 10 grand. And it's like, why? Like, cause like for me, what I've noticed with RVMs, you either 
you don't get a ton of deals from them, but when you do, they're fatties because right. it's, think about it, it's someone calling back a voicemail from someone that's sending out right. thousands of It's kind of like postcards. Yeah. They're call, They're picking a phone calling you. Yeah. You know, and it's like, there. there's definitely some motivation there if they're calling back a random voicemail, basically. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, David Barney wants to know, how, how have you built such a large end buyer network to sell off your deals? Um, so I basically, I go to list source and I pull cash buyers from list source and then I skip trace them and then I text them and RVM them all the deals. Mm -hmm. And then I pull all the cash buyers from the MLS. Um, and I pull all the cash realtors from the MLS and then we're just constantly hitting them with emails, text, RVMs, the same thing. Gotcha. And then, uh, Jay Burr wants to know if you both acquisition guys, how would you approach local wholesalers help them see the value of paying up to 50% opposed to the typical seven to 15% if you're a beast? I don't really understand the question. Hmm. Uh, Jay, can you ask that question again in a different way? I'm kind of having a hard time understanding it. Um, all right. So we're going to talk about your organization. We're going to talk mm -hmm. about your marketing techniques. Mm -hmm. um, so deal flow right now. You know, yeah. we talked about 1.4 last year and you're on pace to surpass that. Yeah. If you haven't surpassed it yet already. Mm -hmm. So like what kind of volume are you doing in your operation? Um, we're averaging around getting like 20, like 18 to 20 houses under contract. Mm -hmm. Um, this month was, I don't know what happened at the beginning of the month, but we had like two weeks where we got like 20 deals in two weeks. So that was. Wow. Really crazy. And I was in California the whole time in Big Sur where there's no cell signal. So I'm just like, this is a lot to mm -hmm. deal with, you know, cause normally we're dealing with 20 in a month and then get 20 in two weeks. It was, it was a lot. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're averaging is like 18 to 20. And then, you know, cause we're making all of our offers sight unseen all over the phone. So, and so we probably end up closing on like 70% of them. Mm -hmm. Like we're able to find a buyer or like, they'd lied about the condition of the property, basically. What? Yeah, they never <laughs> do that. That's so weird. Yeah. They just remodeled it. Yeah. Um, okay, so what is your target assignment fee? Our, I like to make at least 20, but right. we average around 17 is our average for the year. Gotcha. Um, and then one thing I've heard uh, about Florida as mm -hmm. well is that it's hard to get uh, financing because the foreclosure process is so darn long. Mm -hmm. in Florida. Are you finding that to be an advantage for you? Um, financing in regards to like sellers? Hard money loans. Oh, I mean, like I there's not as many hard money lenders. Well, tell me, is that, is that, am, am I understanding this incorrectly? I, mean, I feel like there's still a ton of hard money lenders there for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I haven't noticed that at all, really. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, uh, Blake Hawkins wants to know, do you have your team sign non-competes? No. I think like if you make your team sign non-competes, you don't live in abundance. And mm -hmm. when you don't live in abundance, you're living in scarcity. And if you're living in scarcity, eventually life's not gonna go the way you want it to go. You know, I tell my people, if they wanna go out and do it on their own, they're more welcome to. I'm mm -hmm. just like, daddy's not gonna be home for you if it doesn't work <laughs> out. You know, you can't come <laughs> back to me. We have people on our team that have said that, you know, my intent is to go out and do this. Like, mm -hmm. great. Yeah, you know, come in here, bust your butt, learn everything we do. Yeah, and if you want to go do it on your own, like totally fine. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, Arnold wants to know, are VAs part of your business? Yeah, I have around 10 VAs. So they, they are a significant portion of my business for sure. And what are they responsible for? Um, cold, I have five cold callers, uh, a couple texters, and like four VAs that like deal with all my data mm -hmm. and like pulling data from the courthouses and all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. So talk about that. What data are you pulling from the courthouses? Everything. Like code violation, pre-foreclosures, tax delinquent, tax uh, deed, foreclosures, pre-foreclosures, divorce, probate, everything. Okay. And they're like, they're just easily available for like, just like downloading or? No, I mean, that's why VAs do it. So they go they in there go and they're like, there. they're reading it. And yeah. They're, they're pulling, they're scrubbing everything from it. It's not, trust me, I used to go to the courthouses myself when I was younger and like pull it all myself and mm -hmm. do all that. It's not fun. No, so, it's not fun at all. Yeah. But that's typically the most motivated leads for sure. Gotcha. And Tim Soak wants to know what type of personal development uh, things you do? Um, I'm part of a couple masterminds, so I think that's big. Um, I mean, I read a ton. I've always, I just always been really into, you know, spirituality and personal growth. So, I mean, probably no different than most people that come on the show, you yeah. know, think and grow rich and all that kind of stuff. What are the top two or three you found to be most impactful? Um, the Untethered Soul. It's probably like one of my favorite books of mm -hmm. all time. Um, Outwitting the Devil and Power Now. Power Now? Power of Now, yeah. What is that about? Uh, it's just like spirituality and like light. there is no past, there is no future, there's only the present moment and like trying to be in the moment as much as you can because all of the problems you create are either in the past or in the future. There's never any issues right this moment. Very interesting. Yeah. Sounds very spiritual. Something like that. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the uh, any tool systems, any resources you feel that you could not live without. I mean, Podio for sure, it's a CRM. I mean, a dialer, um, text platforms. Um, yeah, I mean, those are What for dialer sure. and text platform are you using now? Um, I use Zencall or mm -hmm. Zendial for cold calling and then milk it for text. Milk it? Yeah. That's a new one. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Jay, let's try this question again. If you were an acquisition guy, how would you help local wholesalers hiring acquisitions people see the value of paying up to 50% per deal versus only paying them 7 to 15%? I would just see, have them see the value and like, do you want to constantly be like hiring and rehiring and, you know, training over and over again, the same thing? Mm -hmm. Or would you rather bring someone on that's a player and keep them as a player? Yeah. You know, because a lot of sales guys, they tend to, a lot of them tend to have like bad habits of spending a lot of money too. So if they're making 10 grand a month, they're probably spending 12 grand a month, you know, <laughs> so then they have to keep coming back. Yeah, there's an interesting um, uh, way to describing, you know, some of the callers that we've worked with in the past. And it's, it's so horrible, but, you know, the what we found not all of them, but like a small percentage of them, is like they'll walk in with like a bottle of Mountain Dew and Doritos and just kind of chill and get their Taco Bell. It's, they're not spending 12 grand, yeah. but they definitely make different lifestyle choices. Than, yeah, they, than I wouldn't you. let them work for me if that was the case. You wouldn't let them work for you? <laughs> Hell no, you drink, diet, you drink Mountain <laughs> Dew and eat chips, you're not allowed. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a deal killer. <laughs> don't show up to Brandon's office. Yeah. I mean, if you don't care about yourself, why should I care about you? <laughs> well, you're being honest. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I know you talked about earlier about time freedom and financial freedom. What is your why? I mean, you probably hit it right in the dot freedom, you know, just being able to do whatever I want when I want. And, you know, if I want to leave tomorrow and go on a trip to Europe for a couple of weeks, I can, and I don't mm -hmm. have anyone that I have to ask. And, you know, I think that was the big thing for me, just doing whatever I wanted to do and have no restrictions. Gotcha. And what is your biggest struggle right now? Um, my biggest struggle I would say is probably selling all of our deals, you know, cause mm -hmm. like right now we have, I think yeah, 32 houses under contract. Mm -hmm. And so far we only have uh, buyers for 16 of them. So I still have 16 more that we can make money on, but mm -hmm. we just haven't found the buyers yet. So it, for me, it's constantly developing uh, the buyers list. Cause like when I first started, all I give a shit about was acquiring, mm -hmm. like getting marketing, marketing, marketing. And, and I was always like putting disposition to second fiddle. And I started realizing how important it was. And I think that we're finally getting to that point where we're like getting really good at building a good buyer's list. Gotcha. You know, cause I was selling a lot of deals to wholesalers. And so then, you know, they're adding their five, 10 on top of it, which mm -hmm. means, you know, we could have got five or 10,000 more. Right. If you put your attention to it. Yeah. If you're doing one or two deals a month, not a big deal. You're doing mm -hmm. 30 deals. Yeah. That's well, a big deal. Last year I looked at how much I paid to other wholesalers mm -hmm. and it was over 200. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. damn. It definitely adds up when you're doing volume. Yeah. Uh, so Kish Esrani wants to know, so he's, she's not sure. Apologize. Closed three deals so far. Uh, what's, who's the first person they should hire? Acquisition manager. And it, well, it, it depends on what your strength is. You mm -hmm. know, if your strength is sales, then maybe a disposition. I mean, it's, it just depends. Like my, I, I enjoyed being on the phone and talking to sellers, but like I realized like that wasn't gonna pay me a lot. So I think hiring an acquisition manager, but like starting them off as like a cold caller and then working it up to where they're going, you know, calling your old leads and then bring them on as acquisition manager. That's okay. always my process for acquisitions. I start them off at cold call and they cold call for two weeks and then they call my old leads for two weeks and then I start giving them new leads. Yeah. Okay. And what's the greatest lesson that you have learned? Um, I'm going to die. I think that's probably, you know, and so like you really have to live like you're going, you're going to die, Yeah. you know? So I think that's, and that's why I really like the Untethered Soul because it's really about like being accepting of that and, mm -hmm. you know, being okay with that, but living your life like, hey, this could happen at any moment. You know, that's why I never want to do the nine to five because you, you could be rich in your 50s and 60s. And I'm like, I want to be rich in my 20s. Right. You know, and so that wasn't going to get me there. Uh, what's your favorite, best, or most interesting failure? Um. So when I got one time I was helping this newbie wholesaler in Jacksonville and uh, he got a deal under contract. He got it for 90. He had a buyer at 120. And I don't know, I've done like maybe four or five deals total in Jacksonville up to this point. And I don't know Jacksonville at all. I've never been, I think I've been to Jacksonville like one time before. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea about the market, no idea about the condition. 
Um, so he had it for 90, he had to buy it 120. Two days before, the buyer backed out. So that wholesaler got to keep the five grand that the buyer uh, lost for the deposit. So he comes to me and he goes, Brandon, if you want to buy the deal for 95, then I'll make 10 grand total and you get it for 95 and then you could just throw it on the MLS and make money. So I was like, all right. Makes so I sense. went and raised the money and bought it for 95. I had it under contract at 140, that fell through. Had it under contract at 130, that fell through. Then had it under contract for 100, that fell through. Ended up having to sell it for 70, and I lost 35 grand total after everything on it. What did you learn? Uh, don't get cocky. <laughs> don't think that you're invincible and you won't make mistakes, because you will. Yeah. So that was a very tough pill to swallow. Gotcha. Um, you mentioned something earlier, which I, uh, we didn't really emphasize on. So you moved again from Orlando to Miami yep. because you wanted to be closer to a certain group of people. Yeah. And I think, you know, your network is something that's super critical to the success that you achieve. For sure. So tell me about, well, I mean, walk me through that. Like, how did you know that was the right group to hang around with? Mm -hmm. why, why was it so important to make that move? I just like, for me in Orlando, I was at, you know, the amount of money I was making, I didn't know a lot of people my age that were making that there. And so it was like, I wasn't as motivated, you know, to where then I come to Miami and I meet someone in my building who's younger than me and is like, oh yeah, I made like 36 million last year. And I'm like, Fuck. you know, like, mm -hmm. what the hell am I doing? <laughs> you know, so I think that was a big thing for me is like, I wanted to be around high level individuals. And obviously if you're the dumbest person in the room, then you're gonna only get better. If you're the smartest person in the room then in the wrong room. Yeah. You know, so I think that was, I've always known that. And so I knew like I had to get to the, you know, the next, the best high level city close to where I was, which was Miami for sure. Is it still going to stay Miami or are you going to look for somewhere else? I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't see myself leaving Miami anytime soon. As I, you know, we referenced Phoenix as the guru capital of the world. Yeah. Well, you know, when I decide to get a Maserati or a Lambo, then uh, I'll move to <laughs> Phoenix. <laughs> All right, so uh, I want you to think about some last thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with. Uh -huh. uh, and I'll go over a few quick announcements. Uh, so guys, uh, Wholescaling Live is next week, um, October 4th through 6th. I'll be there. A lot of really heavy players, uh, heavy hitting players are going to be there. Um, I look forward to seeing you guys all there. If you haven't registered yet, go to wholescalinglive.com and put R-E-D for 25% off. Also, we'll be in Biloxi, Mississippi with Real Estate Roundup Live. October 25th through 27th. Uh, check that out, bit.ly, bit.ly slash RER live. Um, and then we're finishing the year in New Orleans with Chris Rude on December 6th through 8th. That's Skillathon. If you want to check that out, it's bit.ly, bit.ly slash 2019skill, 2019skill. That's a Skillathon. And next week we've got Hamza Abraham coming in, talking about how he wholesales commercial properties nationwide. I think that would be a very interesting topic. Um, so before we go over the last thoughts, how can someone get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook, Brandon Schwalm, B-R-A-N-D-Y-N-S-C-H-W-A-L-M, and reach out to me there, and I'll be glad to help you. Perfect. All right, so last thoughts. Um, I don't know how much of your, I'm assuming a lot of your people watching are new, so I think the thing that a lot of new people have to get over is don't be scared to take chances. Don't be scared to spend money. Like the thing, like when I first started, when I raised that 250000 I got into $25,000 with the credit card debt because I was like, 
whatever if i get in 25k of debt like what is that in long scheme of my life that's nothing so like don't be as scared to take money you know spend money take risk and you know just keep going if you keep doing that there's there's no way it's not going to work out i think that's a great lesson thank you thank you appreciate sir it. appreciate it thank you guys for watching thank you